Hey, Grace, Pastor Grant here. I am so glad to be back with you again, especially because we're starting a new series. And this new series is called How to Live a Worthy Life. We're talking about the book of Ephesians, just as Pastor Mike kicked us off last week. And the reason why we're talking about how to live a worthy life is because in Ephesians chapter four, he tells us that we should live a life worthy of the calling that we have in Christ Jesus. And you go, what is that calling? Well, Pastor Mike talked about it last week in the message. It's actually the start of Ephesians chapter one. And that calling is we are now a part of the, of the family of God. We are now sons and we are now daughters in the family of God. And so we wanna live a life worthy of this new family name, of this calling of being a part of the family of God. Now, I wanna put a disclaimer on this and that's we're not all gonna be perfect. And so sometimes we're gonna do things that might not be worthy of our family name, but that doesn't mean we get kicked out of the family. I know growing up, I did plenty of things that would cause my family to want to kick me out of the family, and they didn't. I think about times where I did things that were unworthy of the Nixon name. One of the things that I think of is uh, every Sunday night we would go to church, Southern Baptist Unite. And so every Sunday night we would go to church and then we would go to a Mexican restaurant afterwards. And there was a magician that would come around every Sunday and do table magic at the table. And I remember I wanted to figure out how he was doing it. And so I watched him. He had this cup and he, he put, uh, there's a red ball on the table. He puts the cup down, he lifts it up and the red ball is gone. And I was like, well, this is either witchcraft or I know how he's doing it. And so I grabbed the cup. I'm just a little kid. I grabbed the cup and guess what? The ball was underneath it. I was so proud of myself. Do you know who wasn't proud of me? My parents. They were incredibly embarrassed, right? And I, I know what that's like, right? Because I, I have kids. I know exactly what it's like to feel embarrassed by something your kids did, right? And I had done that in that moment. I want to say the magician was real cool about it. I think because he understands what it's like to embarrass and disappoint your parents because he's a tableside magician at a Mexican restaurant. But like in this, in the same way, like my parents didn't kick me out of the family for that. That came years later for something else. But my point is, I don't want you to hear this, this sermon or even this series and let it lead you to despair to say, you know what? I am unworthy of this new family God has called me to. I have made decisions that make me unworthy. Therefore, I, I'm out of this family. In fact, what we read last week in verse 11, it says that we have, pre, we have been predestined into this family. We've been chosen to be a part of this family, meaning that he adopted you into the family. You didn't adopt him, he adopted you. He brought you into his family. And then verse 14 tells us that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, meaning he's keeping you in the family. It's not up to you. It's not up to you to keep yourself in the family of God. He's keeping you. So this series and this sermon today should not lead you to despair to say, oh no, I'm unworthy to be a part of the family. I can't keep myself in this family. But instead, it should lead you to growth. It should lead you to a place where you go, I want to live a life worthy of the calling of Christ Jesus. I wanna live a life worthy of the name that I have, of this family that I have. And that's our hope for this series, that it would lead you to a place of growth, not a place of despair. But I wanna pick up, let's go, let's go right into our passage today. We're gonna to start here in verse 15. He says this, this is why since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. So the very first thing that Paul does is he's praying for the Ephesians, which leads us to ask ourselves, are we praying for one another? You know, we're told in the scriptures that you don't have because you don't ask. And I think that it's true that there are blessings that are missing from my life because I'm not asking for them. I'm not seeking God. I'm not seeking those blessings. I'm seeking other things. But I think it's also true 
that there are blessings in other people's lives that they are missing out on because I'm not asking for them. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying that there are blessings in the lives of other people at grace that they don't have because you're not asking for it. And you go, you really think that my prayers can affect my brothers and sisters that much? You really think that we're that connected? Absolutely, I do. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So he draws a straight line between our healing and the prayers of somebody else. He draws a straight line between our healing and us trusting others and for us praying for one another. So what I'm saying following this example here is that we should be lifting one another up. We should be trusting one another to ask for prayer and we should be faithful enough to pray for one another. Like that is a blessing of God. That is something uh, that the worthy life does is we pray for one another. We pray for those blessings for one another. And what a unifying thing. Think about this. That's one of the things that we're doing in this worthy life is we're talking about unity. Ephesians, the whole book is about unity. What a unifying thing. Think about the things that we're dividing over now and how we're fighting one another over so many different things happening in this country right now. And in my political viewpoint, your political viewpoint, right? The scriptures tell us that in Christ Jesus, there is no Jew or Greek. What that means is there is no nationalistic identity that should divide us. We shouldn't be fighting each other ever. Instead, we should be following Paul's example and we should be fighting for one another in prayer. What, a, what a, an incredibly unifying thing we should be doing. So we should be praying for one another. So what Paul is gonna pray and what we're gonna be looking at, he's gonna pray what I'm gonna call four worthy prayers for a worthy life. And they're a little bit different than the regular prayers we pray. Because typically when we pray, what do we pray for? We are praying, uh, we're praying for things that are practical needs, things that we think we need or things that we think we want. It's the only way my kids know how to pray. It's how they relate to prayer right now. Like my kids, they, they, they just pray for the things that they want. They think that's what prayer is for. And the, the number one thing my kids want right now is a dog. That's what they want, right? And so the other night, my, my oldest son, Max, he's praying for a dog. God, would you give us a dog? And afterwards, I said, dude, I just gotta be honest with you. It's not gonna happen, man. We rent a house. We don't own a house. Until we own a house, we're not gonna own a dog. It's, that's just the way it is. We are not buying a dog. And he said, you know what? It will happen if God wants it to happen. And so in that moment, I was like a little disrespectful, but also theologically accurate. So I will let that go, right? And that's typically how we think about prayer, praying for the things we want or praying for the things that we need. And we should be praying like that. We just said, you don't have because you don't ask. Yes, we should be praying like that. But these prayers that Paul's gonna pray, and these are the prayers that I think we should be praying for ourselves and for one another. These are about spiritual needs. These are about spiritual transformation. If we wanna live a worthy life, we wanna be transformed to live that worthy life. And these are the prayers we need to be praying to, to experience that transformation from God. And so I, I wanna look at it. Let's, let's find our first prayer. Let's look at verse 17. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So our first worthy prayer is this, pray to know him. Pray to know him. That word knowledge that we just read there in verse 17, it's to gain an understanding through relationship. That's what we're talking about. And so what Paul is saying is that, that I'm praying that you would have a deeper relationship with God. That's, that's what it is. It's a prayer literally saying, God, I wanna know you better. God, would you reveal yourself? That's what that passage says. It says that you would give them a deeper wisdom and a deeper revelation of the knowledge of you. God, would you reveal yourself to me? That's the prayer I'm talking about. God, I wanna be closer to you. I want a relationship with you. That's the type of prayer that we should absolutely be praying. And you go, well, that's not how relationships work. 
You don't just say to somebody, I want a deeper understanding of you. Would you give me a deeper revelation of yourself? That's exactly how relationships work. Think about the first time you asked somebody out. When I asked my wife out for the first time, you know what I was saying? I want to know you better. I want you to to give me a deeper revelation of yourself. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what's on your mind. I want to know what you're passionate about. That's why I asked her out, right? And and yes, I got to be I got, I got to be real clear here. I asked her out over AOL Instant Messenger and it worked, okay? So if you're single out there and you're like, nothing's working for me, I'm telling you, try AOL. If you're like, I don't have it, I've got some discs at home somewhere. You'll get a free week. It's no problem. Hit me up. I'll hook you up, right? But I still, as I still date my wife to this day, as I still talk to her, what am I doing? I'm asking her to reveal herself to me. I'm saying, Angela, what do you think about this? Angela, what are you feeling about this? Angela, what's driving you? What are you excited about? What are you fearful about? What am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm praying that prayer. I'm asking her, I wanna know you better. Give me a deeper revelation of yourself. And that's what Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And that's what we should be praying for ourselves and for one another. God, I do wanna know you better. God, I do wanna have a deeper revelation of you. Would you reveal yourself to me? Would you reveal your heart to me? Would you reveal your character to me? In my, my old church in Memphis, I used to pray with this guy who was um, twice my age. I've been following God 30 years longer than, than I had been alive. And one time we were praying together and it was one of those prayers. I don't know if you've ever been around someone, you've heard someone pray like this, but it was, I almost felt a little awkward. I felt like I shouldn't be there because he spoke to God in such an intimate and familiar way. It was like two, it was like he was talking to a friend. It was like he was talking to someone he deeply loved, deeply cared about and deeply knew. And, and, and I shouldn't have been there, you know? So, so we finished praying. I said, how do you pray like that, man? Like how in the world do you pray like that? You know what he said? He goes, I've known him longer than you. I've known him longer than you. That's what he said. He didn't say, I know about him more than you do. I've taken more seminary classes than you. I've read more books than you've read, although all of that is probably true. He says, I've known him better. What's he saying? I've had a relationship with him longer. Like we've been through some stuff together. He's shown me his heart in ways you haven't seen. He's shown me his character in ways that you haven't seen. He's shown up for me in ways he hasn't shown up for you yet. And he said, just keep walking with him. He'll he'll show you more of himself. You'll know him better. And one day you'll talk to him like that because you'll know him better, right? So that's the first worthy prayer is to pray to know him. Let's look at the second. Let's keep going. Look at our scripture. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what it is, the hope of his calling. So that's our second worthy prayer is this, pray to know our true hope. Because here's the thing about hope. Hope is a thing that we, the phrase that we use with hope is we set our hope on this thing, right? And and what we're doing when we say that is, is hope is a thing we aim our lives at, isn't it? Whatever our hope is, whatever we're looking towards, we are are aiming our thoughts, we're aiming our, our, our finances, we're aiming our resources, we're aiming our relationships at this hope. I want this thing. We are chasing that hope. And we do it from, from a little kid to, to, to an adult. We do it. My, my daughter, for example, we've got a, we're going to take a, a vacation in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. And uh, my daughter, that is her thing. Every morning she wakes up and she says, uh, okay, Google, how many days until our vacation, right? And I want to acknowledge some of you are watching this at home and I just made your Googles go off. So I don't want anybody to be left out. So Alexa, Echo, hey Siri. All right, is everybody's devices freaking out? All right, so so that's what she does every day. She's like, okay, Google, how many more days until our vacation? And that's what she thinks about all day. And that's what she's talking about all day. And it goes even further. It literally, like her whole life is pushing towards this hope. Yesterday, uh, I had to go to Target to pick something up. I said that wrong. 
I got to go to Target to pick something up. And so I said, hey, Piper, why don't you come with me? We'll just have Daddy Piper time. It'll be great. Just you and me. So we're in the car, and she says, hey, Daddy, when we get there, can you buy me something? Now, if it had been my boys, I'd have been like, why would I buy you anything? I told you I'm buying something for me, and you're coming along for the ride. But since it was my daughter, I was like, you have a $1,000 limit. Here's my credit card. So we get inside, and I'm walking through the toy section with her, and nothing is speaking to her. Nothing at all. I'm like, what about these Barbies you love. And she's like, no. I'm like, the LOL dolls that you have a million of. Don't you want a million and one, right? I'm showing her all these things. And she's like, no, no, no. You know what she says? She goes, daddy, where's the luggage? And I was like, you are a space cadet. What are you talking about? Where is the luggage? She goes, I want to see the luggage. I was like, okay. So we went over to the luggage. And, and I said, why are we looking at luggage right now? And she said, for our vacation. If you're going to buy me something, I want to buy something for my vacation in a couple weeks. I want some luggage. And and just, just so you know, luggage is just as expensive as you think it is. And so I said, why don't we not get the luggage? And so let me fast forward. You know what we left there with that day? She bought a big old sun hat. Like a big old sun hat, because that's what she's thinking about, the beach. She's going to be on the beach. So she has this big old sun hat, and she's sitting in the back seat, and she's got it in her lap. And I said, Piper, why don't you put it on? It, it looks so good on you. Why don't you put it on? She goes, no, no, no. This is for the beach. It's not a car hat. It's a beach hat. And I was like, all right, I can't argue with that logic, right? But what my point is, her hope is set on that thing. Her whole life is headed that direction. And that's true for us as well. I think about people I talk to who are single and they're setting their hope on a relationship. Like, I'm just gonna get married one day, right? I bet that your whole life, if that's your true hope, I bet your whole life is pointed towards that. I bet it affects the church you go to. Well, I I, I don't go to that church anymore because there's just... Not a lot of singles there, right? But but this one over here, there's a couple of people I want to get to know. So I'll worship over here. And every time I see him, I think Jesus a little bit extra harder, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like that's that's your thing and it's pointing you that way. I bet it affects the relationships you have. I bet it affects the way you spend your time. Why? Because you chase what you hope in, right? And so what Paul is saying and what he's praying for the Ephesians is that I pray that all these other things that would look like things worthy of chasing, worthy of putting your hope in, my prayer is instead that you would see our true hope in Jesus. You would see that the hope that we have in Jesus, that he is working all things together for our good, that good is always ahead for us. I pray that you see that hope as ultimate and you chase that hope because that is worthy of chasing. That is worthy of your life. And here's the thing. It's a hope that won't let you down. My daughter's whole hope is set on this vacation and it could be perfect. It could also not be perfect. It could rain the entire time. I mean, who knows what could happen or it could be perfect and guess what? It's gonna end, right? And so whether your hope is on money or whether your hope is on a relationship or whatever, it's not a worthy hope. It's not a hope that's gonna hold your life up. But the hope that we have in Jesus is one worthy of chasing, is one worthy of building our life on. So a prayer we should be praying for ourselves and for one another is God, would you reset our hope? God, if my hope is set on something else, if I'm chasing another hope, would you reset my hope? Would you reset our hopes and put it back where it belongs? You know, the third worthy prayer is very similar to this one. It's found actually at the end of that same verse. So as as we already read, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling and know what? Know what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So here's our third worthy prayer. Pray to know our true treasure our true treasure in Jesus. And why? Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in other words, it means this. We can chase our hope, and we do. And we can chase treasure. But here's the thing about treasure. It's a little bit different than hope. The treasure chases back. Treasure shapes you. Treasure 
mold you. Remember, as Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As you grab a hold of treasure, treasure grabs a hold of your heart. It's, it's shaping you, it's molding you, it's changing you. I have a friend of mine I, I talked with recently and he's real honest with me. He said, man, I gotta be honest. Money's my thing. Like I treasure money. Money is my thing. He said, you know, last year I made the most money I've ever made. You know, this year I'm probably gonna make even more money. It's looking great for me right now. And I put money aside for the house. I put money aside for a great vacation. I put money aside for retirement. I I put money aside for my, my kids' college funds. They are funded. They've got money, right? He said, but you know what? I stay up at night losing sleep over it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm losing sleep over it. Why? Because it's shaping him. As he's grabbing a hold of that treasure, that treasure is grabbing a hold of him. And if anybody should be losing sleep at night over not putting money away, it, it's me, not him. He's got money put away. You know what my kids, my plan for my kids to go to college or college fund is? I'm, I'm teaching them a very obscure sport, hoping that they will get like a division one scholarship to that, right? So like right now I'm training my kids in pickleball because I'm assuming that one day that'll be a D1 sport, right? And they will show up and they'll be like, we're the only ones applying for this scholarship, right? I've been training for this my whole life. And I gotta be honest, I've never played the sport. I don't know how it's played. Right now they have tennis rackets and I just throw pickles at them. I don't know if that's how you do it, but that's how we're doing it in my house, right? But that's my whole plan. And here's the thing, I'm not losing sleep at, uh, about it overnight. You, you know why? Because I'm a bad parent? Maybe, but also because my treasure is not money. And so I don't have a hold of it. And guess what? It doesn't have a hold of me either because that's what treasure is does. And so what Paul is praying, he's saying, I see, I pray that you see the true treasure, which is found in who we are in Jesus, the inheritance of the saints, what you have in Jesus. It is so much better. That's what Jesus said. He tells a parable one time. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a field and this man finds a treasure in it and he buries that treasure. He buries it where he found it. He goes away. He sells all that he has and he's happy to do it. He does it with joy and he comes back and buys that field. And so in the same way, what Paul is praying for, what we should be praying for is, God, would you, would you give us fresh eyes to see what's really valuable, to see you as our ultimate treasure? Because when we do, we will be like that man. We will go sell everything. I'll let go of everything else because I've got the ultimate treasure, right? There's a hymn I used to sing as a kid that I, I still sing now. And I, I find myself alone. I find myself in the car singing. I find myself humming it all the time. But it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his glorious face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know what that's saying? It's saying, look at Jesus, see him as an ultimate treasure, as ultimately valuable in everything else. Your wealth, the shininess of wealth will grow dim. Like the shininess of the promises of your career will grow dim. The shininess of the promises of a relationship will grow dim in light of him. And that's what Paul is praying for them. And that's what we should be praying for one another. And that's what we should be praying for ourselves is, God, would you reset my eyes here? Would you give me eyes to truly see the treasure that matters? Would I look at the treasures of this world that are everywhere and see them as dim as they are, as weak as they are, as lesser than they are? And God, would you set my eyes to see you as ultimately valuable, as ultimately the treasure worthy of my life? God, would you give us eyes to see you as our ultimate treasure? That is a worthy prayer for a worthy life. And our, our fourth prayer, our fourth worthy prayer, last one, found here in verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those, toward, toward us, excuse me, who believe according to the mighty working of his strength? So our fourth, our fourth prayer here, our final one is pray to know his power. 
And you go, what does that power look like? Well, that's actually the rest of our passage today. He actually, he unpacks that power. Let's check it out here in verse 20 through 23. He exercised this power, that's the power we're talking about, in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at this right, uh, at his right, and in the heavens far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. The power of God that is at work for us, toward us, with us, is the resurrection power of God that raised Christ from the dead and seated him above everything, that subjected everything under his feet. That resurrection power is at work toward you and toward me. And so what Paul is saying is, I pray that you would know that power. And as we said before, that word knowledge before was about relationship. This no is different. This, this knowledge word is actually saying to gain an understanding by observing it, by experiencing it, by seeing it. So he's saying, I pray that you would see God's resurrection power doing crazy things in your life. I pray that you would see God's resurrection power changing you because that's what he's doing all the time, all the time. The scriptures tell us that though our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day by day. That's resurrection power at work changing us over and over and over again. That's why one of the reasons my pet peeves with Christians is when they say things like, well, it's just the way that I am. I hate, you wanna, oh, you wanna see me just like lose it? That's it, say that. Well, it's just the way that I am. I was talking to someone recently, they're talking about anger and they go, well, I just have a short fuse, it's just the way that I am. No, I'm not saying some people don't have a natural bent towards anger where others don't. That's 100% true. I think I have a natural bent towards anger. But like Pastor Ricky, our worship pastor over at the Winter Garden campus, absolutely does not have that bent. We've talked about it before. I'm like, Ricky, what would it take for me to see you lose it. Like seriously, what would it take? He's like, I, I really don't think you could do that. I don't think you could make me mad enough. And I'm like, all right, what if I, what, what if I kick your dog? You know what I mean? And he's like, I would, well, what did he do to you? And I'm like, no, that's not the proper response. We, the proper response is anger, right? And I go, what if I, what if I insult your wife? I come into your home, you've invited me into your home for dinner. I sit down and I insult your wife. Would you get angry then? And he's like, I wouldn't have to. And I go, why? And he goes, she would kill you which is true, all right? So that's true, but here's the point. Regardless if you have a natural bent towards something or not, in Christ, there is no more, that's just the way that I am. We are being renewed day by day. His resurrection power is taking the dead parts of our hearts and making them alive every single day. And that's what Paul is praying for. He's saying, I pray that you see that power, that you see that resurrection power at work in your life every single day. And it's something we should be praying for. God, I, I need to see your resurrection power at work, taking the parts of my heart that are dead and making them alive. And so that's my question to you. What in your life, what parts of your life do you need to see God's resurrection power move in? Move in and bring something dead to life. Maybe for some of you, you say, you know what? My treasure's off. My treasure is money. My treasure is a relationship. My treasure is sex. My treasure is this temptation. My treasure is this sin. And this thing has a hold on me, man. And, and, and I can't let it go. His resurrection power, it says he subjected everything under his feet. That thing that has a hold on you is under his feet. And the power of Christ that keeps those things under his feet is at work for you. He can break those chains. That's what he does. 
He can break those chains. He can set you free. He can take those things that are dead and make them alive. In fact, the scriptures tell us that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. What that means is his power, his resurrection power can take that thing that's working against you, take that thing that is pulling the life out of you and put it to work for you so that God would bring you even more life into your life. That's what he does. That's what the cross stands for. The cross was a symbol of oppression. The cross was a symbol of death. It was a symbol of hopelessness. And now through Christ, he has made it a symbol of life and he's made it a symbol of beauty and he's made it a symbol of hope. That's what resurrection power does. So where do you need to see it? You might say, I have hate in my heart towards people. I I can't forgive this person. I can't move past this then ask God to to set free that resurrection power in your life. Say, God, that part of my heart that is dead towards this person, would you make it alive? Because I can't. God, would would you remove that death and would you replace it with life? Would you remove that hardness and would you replace it with life? Because he can do that. And that's how I wanna end our time together today is, is I wanna end praying that prayer for you. Now, you've got the four worthy prayers. If you wanna go back and, and do any of those, you, you do that. But, but I wanna pray about the resurrection power right now. And so wherever you are, if you're, you're at home, maybe you're at the office on your lunch break, maybe, you're, maybe you're, you're pulled over somewhere in your, your car. Hopefully you're not watching it and driving. That's not okay, click it or ticket. Uh, but anyway, may, I don't know where you are or what you are, but, but I want you to stop and, and I want you to ask yourself that question right now. Where do you need to see the resurrection of pow- the resurrection power of Christ at work in your life right now? Where is it? Is it in a relationship? Is it in a career? Is, is it with a temptation in your life? Where is it? Where do you need to see it? Now, let me, let me practice this with us right now. Let me practice what I'm preaching right now and pray for you. Pray this prayer for you. So, so what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes, however you pray. And I want you to take a posture of receiving. This might be weird for you. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I want you to put your hands out. And, and, and this, this is, again, this is a way of us saying, God, I'm, I'm ready to receive from you. I need to receive and I'm ready to receive to you. So, so go ahead and place your hands out. Let me pray for us now. Father God, we are so grateful that you were a God who came to us when we were dead in our sins. That's what the scriptures tell us. We were dead in our sins and you have made us alive in Christ. And God, we are so grateful that that is a work that you have done. And that is a work that you are continuing to do and will bring to completion. And so God, my prayer for my brothers and sisters now is what, whatever they need, Father, wherever their hearts are, and, and they're laying them bare before you right now where they need to see your resurrection power. They want to see your resurrection power. Father, I pray for that. I pray that they would know, that they would see, that they would experience your resurrection power in that area of their life right now. They would see that resurrection power bring bring life where death was before, bring love where hate was before, bring hope where despair was before. Father, would you do that work? Father, we are receiving. We have our hands out. Father, this is just us us just saying just with our entire beings, Father, we wanna receive from you. We need your resurrection power in our lives and we want it more than anything else. And Father, we are grateful. We're grateful that we have you. We're grateful that this power is always at work for us. That's always at work with us. It's always at work within us because of your great love for us. And so, Father, as we have asked, we receive, and we're grateful. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your attention towards us. Thank you for your heart towards us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.